You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. And welcome back to Circling Seattle Sports on Converge Media. Your host, Charles Hammaker, here with Bell Garcia. As always, we are approaching the final week of August. We're getting into September. September, Seahawks are back. Kraken are going to be playing preseason. You know, the important games for the Mariners continue to roll on. The Sounders and rain. The pressure is on for them to secure their playoff spots. Storm We're continue the playoff yeah, run. Yeah, Storm continue their playoff run. It's Things are getting important. Things mm-hmm. are getting tense. And we're getting into almost fall not quite yet but still it's a little wild that we're getting into that sort of territory here uh and we continue to have important actual seahawks news to look at which you know for the longest time it was like a headline here about something minimal and now we've got actual preseason games some unfortunate weeks for a couple Mm -hmm. guys so taking all that into consideration we're going to go straight into our seahawks here in their past preseason game against the bears here at home Yes, they faced the Bears on August 18th, and unfortunately, that game did not look good for the Seahawks. They lost 27-11. to We have some offensive players and defensive players of the game, but is there anything that you wanted to mention before we dive into that? Uh, I mean, you know, we if if we wanted to overreact and pull the, the alarm, <laughs> not, we'll get to <laughs> alarm two of the preseason. <laughs> yeah, if we wanted to get into that sort of thing, then we could just go full-blown. This is what the season might look like as a whole. No. They just look bad. Overall, I mean, special teams had mishaps. The offense, you know, this was supposed to be Drew Locke's big week. Um, we'll get into that. To start, yes. <laughs> uh, the defense didn't seem like they could do much to stop anything. I mean, 27, they didn't get that touchdown until uh, late in the fourth, late I don't believe. So, yeah, this was just a microcosm of some issues that need to be cleaned up. Third down efficiency was poor, but that's been an issue for the Seahawks for years um but yeah didn't didn't look too good i mean there was a lone star on offense that we both selected yeah as we look over here towards offensive players of the game but i mean outside of that it was it was one of those games that's ugly and he, i think he just gotta flush it yeah and you did mention that touchdown the our only touchdown of the game so that is why i based my decision for player of the game offensive player of the game um and went with agreed with you actually with um darwin thompson for that reason again. Yeah, and it seemed like, at least to me, checking in on this game, like the only, because we were at Storm mm-hmm. versus Mystics game one, so we weren't at that game. It seemed like, you know, you look at box score, or even just the general, what was going on in that game, it seemed like Darwin Thompson was really the one creating the highlights for Seattle in that game. So, yeah, I think it was kind of a clear cut. I mean, Jacob Eason throwing the ball didn't have bad stats, but Darwin Thompson, I believe, was just kind of the one that, Real, there was one really cool play I got to watch. Uh, it was Jacob Beeson throwing the ball to Aaron Fuller, two UW guys. And Fuller looked like he had this nice, like, weird spinning catch and landed with his elbow in the end zone, but the ball hit the ground. So, unfortunately not. But So, Darwin Thompson, I mean, with sort of the uncertainty of the backfield right now with injuries and Chris Carson retiring. Right. I mean, this is, again, with preseason, this is your chance to put your mark out there and, and say, hey, I've earned some snaps here. Mm-hmm. So, who knows? Maybe we see Darren Thompson throughout the regular season, but 
yeah, offensive play of the game for me, that was pretty cut and dry. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I will also say that your pick last week also looked pretty good this game too, DJ Dallas. So just a little something to look continue to monitor there. Um, our defensive player of the game, I went with defensive tackle Miles Adams, who had one sack, one tackle for lost. And it just, in comparison with last game, it just feels like he's giving consistent pressure to the QBs. So that's why I went ahead and went with him. Yeah, and I feel like that's really important to note. You talk about the consistent pressures aspect of things. How long with this team have we been looking at pass rush, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you bring in guys on the outside, but also, you know, with the three, four, your DTs are going to be forced to stop the run. Miles Adams there. I mean, if he can do that and affect the quarterback, that's a huge bonus. And you're kind of looking, you know, with the last few seasons, no Jerron Reed, uh, having gone to the Chiefs now. I don't know if he's still with Kansas City. Uh, Puna Ford is kind of your main guy. I know that, uh, oh, help me out here. Uh, older defense, Al Woods. Al Woods is kind of your guy there. So I, I'm sure Miles, uh, Miles Adams is pushing for one of those other spots yes. behind him and uh, Puna Ford and Al Woods on the depth chart. But I mean, yeah, consistent pressure. That's one way to get noticed on the D-line. Definitely. So that's a good call. Um, I went with, uh, um, I went with Kobe Bryant here. I thought that, um, it was a good game for him. Five solo tackles. All of his tackles were solo. Uh, the two pass deflections, you know, we're, we're going to need that in the secondary and especially with the hype that was mm -hmm. around him and obviously wearing the number eight, uh, it's a big deal you know, yeah. for who he dedicated it to. Yeah. Right. And the kind of the anticipation he was on that Cincinnati team that got into the playoff. So, I mean, kind of see a little bit of what you're hoping for with Bryant there. So that's why I went with, with Kobe uh, for my defensive player of the game. I will just say that I, I don't think I'm ever going to get used to hearing that name and thinking about football. So we'll move on here to some injury news. Kenneth Walker, unfortunately, we have injury news for him. Um, the team will, sorry, let me get, gather my thoughts here. Uh, the team will feature Walker, rookie running back, reportedly could get as much of the load as Rashad Penny in the Seattle running game. But um, some developing news here. He has a hernia issue and could face a lengthy recovery time. And Pete Carroll hopes he can be ready for the season opener. So a bit of a crusher there in terms of the injury news. Yeah, I mean, it just gets worse, though, as you look on. I mean, he had the hernia surgery uh, is expected to make a full recovery. The plan was to make it to week one. And now, you know, with the latest news coming out yesterday, there's no return date that's really solid they haven't come up with something solid because he's still tender after that surgery. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, again, I talk about with Thompson and DJ Dallas, your running back room is open right now. There's no certainty there. I mean, Rashad Penny uh, didn't play in the Chicago game either. I don't believe um, he's still dealing with something and they want to be a hundred percent with him. So, I mean, you're, yeah, your running back room is for week one. I think it's going to be running back com yeah. by committee. Um, and I don't know if we see Walker until, you know, maybe a little bit, a few weeks after the uh, opening of the season. So, I mean, again, something to keep an eye on as it continues, but not really bright considering no. the history of, uh, 
I mean, since Marshawn Lynch, the history of running backs and the injuries, look at guys like Thomas Rawls, CJ Procise, uh, you know, Chris Carson dealt with injuries. Yes. Rashad Penny dealt with injuries, obviously, for the majority of the beginning of his career. So a lot of these guys, it's like, what's going on? What's wrong with the running back room? Can we find a stable of a guy? And that was kind of the thinking with the Kenneth Walker pick. Yeah. So that's fully a, a speedy recovery and nothing more serious in terms of injury. Yeah. Hopefully <laughs> that, you know, week one is obviously the most optimal, but week two, I'm sure you're fine. Yeah. Right. So yeah, something to keep an eye on though. Exactly. Not exactly injury news, but we did mention Drew Locke was supposed to have that start in that second preseason game. He did not get the start because he had COVID. So a mere hour after the last headline, the Seahawks QB was another headline came out that he was, he had tested positive for COVID. And so he would miss Thursday's game. Yeah. That was unfortunate because, you know, we got the news that he was going to be the quarterback and that makes sense just mm -hmm. because of their plan to get both guys time with him and Gino. Uh, and then and like an hour later that he tested positive. It's like, that's just bad. So I know that, over the past week, uh, Carol has said that they're going to feature Locke prominently against Dallas mm -hmm. just to, re, you know, uh, recoup the time that he missed. So that'll be interesting to see um, how long he plays, maybe three quarters or so or what. But, um, yeah, certainly not ideal. No, not at all. Day. It was a bummer to get that news right after, as you said, an hour after. So we'll move on here. There were some inj an injury that occurred during the second preseason game against the Bears, uh, Damian Lewis had to exit the game on a stretcher. Um, later found out that the x-rays were negative and he just suffered a lateral ankle strain. So who knows what his timeline for return will be, but unfortunate news. He sounded more up. The thing with Pete Carroll, in case you haven't been following, he always likes to give you the optimistic look at things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he said he'd be, it's not going to be a long-term sort of thing, but, uh, you know, especially as an offensive lineman being able to pivot and move. Uh, you don't want to mess with the ankle. So I mess with the legs. So hoping that Damien, that's not a big deal, but from what I understand, um, Phil Lewis, I believe it's Phil Lewis, the guard, um, has impressed in training camp and was even pushing for a starting spot. So, you know, you might be a guy who might be, you're not too much of a drop off if he has to fill in uh, in these regular season games. So I'm sure we'll see some of that. Um, Phil Haynes, pardon me, Phil Haynes, guard out of Wake Forest. Um, we'll probably see him a lot against Dallas uh, with the ones, I'm assuming. You know, they probably won't have Damian at their next game. And that'll be a big showcase for him. So that's a big, again, preseason is a big opportunity depending mm -hmm. on injuries and such. So we'll see how that goes for Phil. Did we have any roster moves in this week? Yeah, just some stuff as the raw. I mean, we'll see more of this as well uh, leading up to this next game against Dallas. And then after that game, as the roster goes from a word 85 right now, we have to get to like 53. <laughs> this is going to be a big deal um, because I know during the preseason, everybody gets their little preseason favorites. Um, it'll be difficult. It'll be difficult. Uh so the team waived tight end Cade Brewer, defensive tackle Matthew Goddle, cornerback Elijah, cornerback, pardon me, not quarterback, Elijah Jones, safety Bubba Bolden, and released the linebacker. This nice gentleman, his last name is very <laughs> difficult. Uh, linebacker Joel Igbunaway. Uh, so again, cutting it down, getting down to 85. Uh, so five, they were at 90, had to get to 85. I think the next one's going to be 75, and we'll probably see that within the next few days. 
but then it got to get down to 53 and we start to see what the uh the depth chart will be and stuff like that but yeah this will be a critical time in the next few weeks for a football team that's really searching for where it goes post russell wilson post bobby wagner and we haven't seen jordan brooks in the preseason yet no. so I, i'm sure we'll see him for a little bit out there uh next week but again big proving ground for some of these guys. Well, it sounds like we'll have more roster moves to report on as the weeks go by here. Um, we'll move on to some league news. League news. Um, on August 18th, the Deshaun Watson fiasco kind of came to an end, sort of. They decided on a disciplinary settlement. The QB will be suspended for 11 games without pay and fined $5 million. Watts is fine and Watson's fine and contributions from the NFL will create a fund of seven million total. And that will be actually donated to nonprofit organizations that educate young people on healthy relationships, promote education and prevention of sexual misconduct and assault, support survivors and related causes. So it sounds like really they're just trying to bring awareness to don't do what Deshaun did. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And at the end of the day, though, I mean, with the money that he got from Cleveland, this 5 million seems little. Yeah. So at the end of the day, there could have been more done, but I'm glad it was more than what was initially given, yeah. but still. The so game suspension. From what I was, better. yeah, from what I was reading, the owners didn't want this to continue to drag on. So they just had to cut it compromise, which is unfortunate, but oh, we can't do anything. So. Right. That's about it for our league news. The Seahawks record currently stands at 0-2 in the preseason. So looking ahead, they face the Dallas Cowboys on August 26th at 5 p.m. That is the final preseason game and will be showcased on NFL Network. And we will move on to our Seattle Mariners now. Remember we talked a lot about mixed bags last <laughs> week. <laughs> <laughs> same sort of thing with the series here for the Mariners. I mean, very little roster moves, so the team kind of stayed pretty uh, pretty consistent in terms of the actual players in the games. But we look at the end of this, uh, the, the latter two-thirds of this sort of California divisional road trip. And, you know, the first series we look here against the Anaheim Angels, you, know, you see the nice broom, little graphic there. So there's obviously a sweep to be involved. <laughs> and then the next series is not as not as fortunate. So we'll get into it, though. So August 15th begins a three game stretch, as you can see, against the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. The first game was a six to two win. Played the game designated hitter Jesse Winker. Winker with two hits, two runs and two RBIs on the day. On the 16th to take the series, Seattle would win that one eight to two. Play the game center fielder Julio Rodriguez. Julio picking up where he left off. Three hits, two runs, two RBIs. On the 17th to close out the series in a matinee game, uh, the Mariners would win that one 11 to 7. So this one was on YouTube. It was a whole thing. Mm -hmm. There was a uh, influencer broadcast where Bill Nye was there. Uh, Joel McHale, uh, Kenny, it was weird. It was kind of <laughs> weird. I didn't watch it. Uh, it was on strictly YouTube, though, but the Mariners pretty consistently throughout the game dominated this one. Anaheim was able to pick up some runs at the end of the game. Shoyo Tani hit a home run at the end of the game, but this was the, the scoreboard kind of reflects it differently than it was. Uh, play of the game catcher Cal Raleigh. Raleigh with this player of the game was actually named the YouTube player of the game and got he a little was. trophy for it. it was kind of funny. Uh, Raleigh had two hits, two runs and three RBIs. He had a two homer day. It was the first multi homer game of his career. The Mariners now go to 17 and two. Uh, I believe this is the, the team's record when uh, Raleigh hits a home run. So that's pretty good. Um, but as you can see though, a sweep pretty good. Mm -hmm. took care of a team that, you know, is floundering. They've got an interim manager, uh, Shoyotani 
doesn't really play well against the Mariners outside of these last two games. Mike Trout got activated after this series, so he wasn't playing against us. This is an Angels team that you should be beating overall. Right. You can give up a game, sure, but you got to win a series. The same can be said for Oakland, who shipped off Frankie Montes at the trade deadline. They've got a bunch of guys that Bruce really are older veterans or guys. This is a bad ball club. Straight, straight to it. It's a bad ball club. And you lose the series to them. Uh, you win the first game 10 to 2. So the offense continues to click following right. that game uh, against the Angels, despite the game off. Uh, day off, pardon me. So August 19th at the Athletics, the first of three games was a 10 to 2 win. You know, you come out smash them uh play the game third baseman a eugenio suarez two hits two runs five rbis for gino gino feeling the good vibes with two homers on the day think okay you know you come out you dominate oakland great uh the next day logan gilbert's on the mound looking to bounce back after having a couple difficult outings against some solid teams Mm -hmm. the mariners lose this game four to three in ten innings uh just unable to get enough i mean three runs after getting uh more than 10 in the last two games, kind of a drop-off. Uh, Suarez, again, the player of the game, two hits, one run, one RBI, and a walk. So before I continue the game three of the series, that game two, there, there's a there's a reason I want to talk about this game. So we're in the bottom of the 10th inning. Uh, the bases were loaded, unfortunately. Diego Castillo, oh. normally pretty good in his reliever role this year, had a bad game in this one. Um they brought the Mariners brought in Sam Haggerty from the outfield to be a fifth infielder. So they had five infielders. Uh, I, I believe effectively the idea was to, you know, Oakland was going to hit something in the infield and they wanted to get Seattle wanted to get the runner out at home mm-hmm. on a force out. Uh, it happened. Sheldon noisy hit a little ball uh, in the infield was going to go right to Haggerty actually, but Diego Castillo attempted to field the ball, no, botched no. it. And uh, I think Tony Kemp was able to cross the plate relatively easily. So it's like, that's not your job. Right. You've got five infielders. You've got to let it to the play. And I believe Haggerty would have had him out at home. So a uh, really bad way to lose that one poor offense. Um, and then that poor play at the end of the game. Not not how you should be playing. But you think, right, we talk about this all the time. With series, we talk about it throughout the season. Just win the series. So come back the next game and win it. Not the case. Uh, again, only the three runs. The offense, you know, leaves nine men on base in this game, eight uh, on base in that last game we were just talking about. Uh, Luis Castillo did not look like uh, the player, the pitcher we've seen the last few outings did not have his control uh, in this one, which, you know, the grand scheme of things is fine. It's a lot of games. But Seattle loses on the 21st, 5-3 to three to lose the series. Julio takes our player of the game here with three hits uh, and an RBI. Uh, another three-hit game for Julio, which, you know, continues to ramp it up. Uh, but again, it's, it's frustrating. I know in the grand scheme of things, you've got about 40 games left. Uh, but you, I think you do have exactly 40 games left, um, but you've got to be better. This is just, you know, you can't lose ga- You can't lose series to Oakland. You can afford to lose a game here and there, but you're going to play the majority of the rest of your season against divisional opponents. Um, not Houston, but Texas, Anaheim and Oakland. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to beat them in series. You cannot afford to keep messing this up because at the end of the day, you would like to have the number one wild card spot and host those three wild card games right at home, nonetheless. So you know it's it's you do control your own destiny at this point. And last year's Mariners did. We are at the point I think through uh, 122 games or so 
last year's team was the same record as this year's team right now. Oh, goodness. Um, but the difference in that is we had like a negative 40 run differential this year of a plus 33. Okay. Um, and you're in a better wild card. You're better playoff seating. That being said, I try to get away from that. Um, the other teams that you're vying for wild card spot against are all playing each other a ton. And that should help you take that number one spot mm-hmm. and just ascend and keep it. And, you know, hopefully the other two wildcard spots have to sort themselves out. You, the one is settled. It's not happening right now. You have to get into that. I mean, I think they're all tied right now, all the wildcard spots. So you're all tied. You have to go on a little run here, which I'm sure you can do. You At the last 17 series, you've only lost four of them, which is pretty good. But... It's, it's concerning seeing the offense the last two days, the way that it's underperformed, um, knowing that, you know, if this is how you're performing against these poor teams, playing with the easiest schedule in baseball and you're not doing it's Yeah, so got to be more consistent. Uh, so with Julio picking up a couple of those three hit games here for player of the week, I just went with Julio. Uh, Statistics-wise, I cheated. I went with a statistical pick. 30 plate appearances, 10 hits, 6 runs, a triple, a homer, 4 RBIs, 15 total bases, 2 stolen bases, a 333 batting average, as well as a 333 on base percentage, uh, 500 slugging. Those last two numbers together equal an 833 OPS. Uh, Bell's pick, obviously, to me, makes sense here. I mean, with the way Gino performed in those first two games uh, against the Athletics, who was basically your offense. So mm-hmm. I don't blame you at all for going for Gino. But was that sort of the direction you went with the way that he performed in those first two games against Oakland? What was the decision? It was. That? It was the two games against Oakland and then looking at the statistics as well. So he had 21 plate appearances, five runs, five hits, one triple, three home runs, an eight RBI, 16 total bases, three walks, a 238 average, a 333 on base plus slug, oh, sorry, on base percentage, a 762 slugging and a 1.095 on base plus slugging. So that was my pick. And for, I just, I like the good vibes that Gino brings. And when it's good to see him doing well on offense instead of being frustrated and throwing his helmet on the ground. Or breaking his bat. <laughs> or breaking his bat, yeah. Yeah, the, uh, the triple is a little funny to see there for Gino. Don't expect that yeah. from him too much. But no, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, uh, since since that trade, you know, again, when it was initially thought by many that Gino was a throw in, he's been pretty uh, I think they showed it on the YouTube broadcast on Wednesday that he's got three defensive runs saved as compared to the last three years where he's been negative defensive runs saved. So he's a plus defender. Uh, he brings offensive value for this team at the third base spot. So. I don't blame you whatsoever. I uh, just would like to as a whole see this team offensively. Can oh, just. Yeah continue to uh, put more runs on the board, just be better offensively. I think this team is actually in the bottom 10 in singles uh, on the year, which is kind of bad. You know, the extra base hits are great, but you got to be able to put guys on base regardless. Um, No injury news. Luckily, I (laughs) pretty good. Uh, And the only team knows related team news related note that we have was that on the 16th of the month, uh, it was announced that we were going to get the official date for the MLB All-Star Game uh, next year in Seattle. The All-Star Game in 2023 here in Seattle at T-Mobile Park will be played on July 11th. So if you're marking, marking in the calendar, July 11th uh, is next year's All-Star Game. Obviously, there are going to be other activities um, 
leading up to that, there's a celebrity softball game, the home run derby, uh, the futures game. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on for all-star week and all the festivities. So that will be really fun. Uh, when the league comes up here to Seattle for that midsummer classic, uh, in some league related notes, we've got some, some playoff stuff is, and some stuff going on in the division on the 15th, the Rangers fired their head coach. They fired Chris Woodward, uh, months after major offseason spending nearly half a billion dollars on two players in Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager. As the team continues to trend downwards uh, at their current pace, the Rangers would have their fourth straight losing season. Uh, the MLB playoff schedule is set. So if things go well and Seattle ends <laughs> in the number one playoff spot uh, in the wild card, pardon me, this is what we're looking at. If you want to plan that want to plan where you're going to go buy tickets or you're going to have to call out sick for work. October 7th will be game one of each of the wild card series. Um, there are four games taking place that day. October 8th is game two, four games that day as well. And if necessary, depending on those four series, October 9th would be game three of those wildcard series. So that October 7th, 8th, and 9th, I'm assuming that's a weekend. I'm going to cheat and look ahead here. Yeah, that's a weekend, the first technical week of October. Um, so that's a big series. I mean, I believe the last Mariners, um, uh, scheduled regular season game is the fourth. I think that's against Detroit. Yeah. So you'd get like a day off maybe, but then the weekend ramps up. So right. that's a, if, if, yeah, we'll, we'll look towards that. Hopefully uh, maybe midway through September and have a better understanding of where Seattle sits uh, on the 17th. Things continue to be poor for Texas as they fired their president. The Rangers announced that that is uh, they have relieved John Daniels of his duties as president of baseball operations and general manager, Chris Young will be taking over. So sort of a gutting of the front office uh, there for the Rangers after spending tons of money in the off season, understanding that it was still kind of a rebuild, but, not being happy with their results. So uh, team record wise and standings wise, the Mariners sit at a 66 and 56 record at this point in time, as they have the day off today, uh, they started two game series as a two game series against the Washington nationals who, you know, recently gutted their team trading Juan Soto, Josh Bell, um, to the Padres. Uh, the first game of that series on Tuesday here is a seven ten start. Uh, these are obviously back in Seattle. So this homestand starts with this two game series. The 24th versus the nationals is a one ten start on Wednesday. Then the Cleveland Guardians series is a four game set, uh, which begins on the 25th with another one ten start that's on Thursday. So two a day Thursday games during the week, back to back. Yeah. Little odd. Uh, I believe that game is also on YouTube. So if you're looking for where that game is on Thursday, it's on YouTube. Um, the 26th and 27th are 7-10 starts. This is the beginning of Ichiro weekend. There's giveaways all throughout Friday through Sunday. Uh, his jersey will be, his number, I believe the number 51 will be retired on Saturday. Uh, and then the 28th is a 1-10 start. And the Sunday game is a bobblehead giveaway. So I believe they're tail ticket. Still tickets for Friday and Sunday, but Saturday is sold out. So if you wanted to be there Saturday, I'm sorry, unless you can find a reseller or a scalper, you're no, out of good luck. luck. <laughs> uh, we head over to actual playoff games, not the uh, theoretical ones. Uh, as the storms 
Storm played their first round matchup against the Washington Mystics. Bell and I were on hand for that. So, Bell, why don't we uh, take a look at that past series against Washington and all the fun that happened over the past two games? Yeah. First game was on August 18th. That was a storm win, 86 to 83, a very close storm win. And that was close throughout the whole game. Our player of the game is Brianna Stewart with 23 points, 12 rebounds and four assists. Our second player of the game would be Joel Lloyd with 16 points, two rebounds, three assists, and 12 of her 16 points in the fourth. Now, Joel had a bit of a dry spell at the beginning of that one, and um, I wasn't sure if we were going to see her get hot and get some shots up, but she came in at the perfect time and really helped close that out. So, any takeaways that you noticed? I mean... There were some things that set up for game two, right? I mean, this is game one of the mm-hmm. series. You get Seattle gets the first two at home. If you're Washington, you're thinking, hey, we have to force one of the, I mean, if you can come out in game one and take it, sets you up even better for potentially sending this game back to Washington for game three. As you mentioned, Jewel, really quiet. I believe she was over four or something through the third quarter. And then in that fourth was able to just, take over. I mean, if we look at storm history, even the last two seasons, let alone their entire career, Jewel has been very clutch for this team, some buzzer beaters in there, uh, but was really able to take over. I mean, it was, it seemed like everything that first game, anything Seattle did, it was Elena Deladon, just respond, oh respond, yes. respond, respond. But Jewel Lloyd was able to get out there, get Seattle some buckets when they needed them. Uh, and then Seattle was able to get some stops on the stretch. That, that was Playoff basketball. In it its was. Finest. It was. It was great. But it, some stuff to note going into the next game. Obviously, you have to defend EDD much better, and you'd like to see a better start from one of your stars like Jewel. Yeah, and you could see you could say that both of those definitely did happen. So on the twenty first, again against the Mystics, they won once again. This one was a bit more one sided here. Um, Ninety seven to eighty four. Our player of the game was. Subert. So this was my choice. I don't know if you completely agreed, but Makes sense. Um, 18 points, 10 assists, four rebounds. And I just thought that she came out and realized the intensity that she needed to provide, provide in order for the storm to close this one out in game two. So normally I don't think this is what we've seen from Sue during the season. She's, she doesn't need to be the scorer, you know, no. but, but in terms of closing out a game, she definitely showed up. And I'll say this, you know, with Sue, obviously, I mean, the assist are her thing. Great facilitator, good mm-hmm. passer. Uh, I believe the the WNBA assist leader, right? Um, with the, if you don't follow us on, on on social media, Twitter and Instagram, Circling Seattle Sports, Twitter, cir- at Circling Sports, um, we do our point guard matchups for each game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with the points per game, each game, it feels like as we've gotten through the end of the season, uh, Sue's points per game go up. And it's interesting to see that because, again, the last few years, not primarily a big score, you know, hasn't been that sort of thing for Sue. It's been Stewie and Jewel. Right. Um, and to see that in I think the really important word that you used was intensity. You know, Coach Quinn said it post, I think post game uh, was or it might have been pregame. One of the press conferences on Sunday was that, you know, Sue's usually the calming presence, usually the the one who's got her head on right um, in the locker room, no matter what that emotion uh, after hitting that bucket, uh, I think it was a breakaway and sort of icing it. It was like, she's pumped. And that building from like the third quarter on got louder and louder and louder. And I think that final bucket was kind of like the topper 
put it away. So and that's exactly how she described it. So she did say that that was um, that was when she realized that the game was pretty much over and they had one. So um, our second player of the game is Brianna Stewart with 21 points, 10 rebounds, eight assists, two steals and one block. And Stewie started the game a little bit rough. So uh, her and Joel, Joel kind of switched off there. Um, Joel I mean, was pretty consistent. Yes. Stewie was pretty um, struggling. She was struggling and first, then picked it up. First half over five. Yeah. Had the, had the free throws for sure. But yeah, Joel was, I mean, buckets throughout the game a lot of threes yeah. uh stewie i mean flirted with the triple double she did only two assists away um i think the important quote from coach quinn post game was that whatever we need stewie to do she does you know but i think for play of the game like primary honors that goes to sue and before i let you continue any yes, forward, i had a friend over the past week it was comic-con so if you want to call me a nerd go ahead <laughs> let's do it but i had a friend uh, in town one of the artists Actually, I don't know if we can go to, to my camera here, um, create an artwork of Sue out of 10. Uh, so, of course, I got number 10 here because, you know, I'm biased. A, a limited edition, um, probably out of focus. You, you get the picture, though. <laughs> but it was just cool to see that uh, Sue was able to, I think, put it perfectly. The intensity is a great word to describe it there. Um and I mean, Seattle's going to need that down the stretch. I know it's her last year, but her contribution is obviously huge, especially going into this next series with a team that is loaded through the bench. Oh my gosh, yes. Ridiculous. So, how um, did you get to it? Moving on to some injury news here. Obviously, we know that Mercedes Russell was out for the season, but she has not made an appearance yet. So, she's still out from reoccurring headaches. So, we don't know when we'll see Mercedes Russell yet, but hopefully soon. Um on the 21st against the Mystics, Gabby Williams would leave the game with a concussion. Her recovery timeline is unknown. She did leave in the third quarter with a towel over her head, and it was later reported that she had a concussion. So that's tough for the storm because Gabby has really been producing in all facets of the court. Mm -hmm. And so hopefully, I mean, Steph did a good job of filling in when Gabby left. So. Yeah, it's just Gabby's athleticism and, you know, you you talked about it. Uh, I believe it was before it was it was last week's CSS on Converge episode before the Thursday game about coming out with confidence. And what did she do immediately in that game? Come out, <laughs> I think one of the media timeouts, four points, three rebounds, three assists, a block of two blocks, you know, just immediately all over, all over, not necessarily leading in one thing, but just being able to be sort of the Swiss army knife of that. So yeah, that'll be huge. I know that we get a few days off between uh, this, the end of this series and the Vegas series, but yeah, I mean, we'll obviously, once we get updates, we'll try to update you as quick as we can, but concussions can be very different uh, yeah. case by case. Moving on to some team notes here on the 16th, Brianna Stewart was named AP player of the year. So forward Brianna Stewart has been named, of course, the 2022 AP player of the year, earned the award for the second time in her career after leading the league and matching a career high with 21.8 points per game. Stewart also earned AP first team recognition for the third straight season earning earning first team recognition in her last four eligible seasons after earning second team honors as a rookie in 2016. It is also the second time Stewart has earned the AP WNBA Player of the Year honors, also receiving the award in 2018 prior to being named the 2018 WNBA MVP. She won the AP College Basketball Player of the Year award three straight years at UConn from 14 to 16 and has earned the AP's top award five times in eight eligible seasons between college and the WNBA. So some 
season averages here for Stewie, 21.8 points per game, 7.6 rebounds per game, 2.9 assists per game, 1.6 steals per game, and 0.9 blocks per game. Mark just the second season of player average, 21 plus points per game, 6 plus rebounds, 2 plus assists, 1 plus steal, and 0.09 plus blocks. The only other player was Stewart during her 2018 WNBA MVP season. Um, her against herself, I guess. <laughs> and Brianna Stewart and Jewel Lloyd were invited to the 2022 USA Basketball Women's National Team training camp. Before we move on, you know, you just that all of this, the accolades and all that just simply puts it. I think I tweeted that during the 18th game that you have to appreciate everything that Stewie's doing now regardless of what happens next year, whether she goes overseas, all that sort of thing. That's not for us to worry about right now. You have to appreciate that because that, that blurb on itself, Stewie is an all timer regardless. Um, but that the set about the averages, the only other player to accomplish that ever doing that was herself. Uh, what, four years ago, I think MV, not to be biased, but MVP should be a lot. In my opinion, Adrian Wilson is Campaigning. great, but I, I don't know. So, yeah, that's just my piece on that. But Stewie, you know, obviously, again, Coach Quinn said it. When you're not getting scoring from Stewie, anything that Seattle needs, it, she, she can, it. She can yeah. bring it. And our director might have a little bit more experience with this other news for today. But LeBron was at the crossover Sega this weekend. Not necessarily WNBA news. A little bit more geared toward just basketball in general here as um, Jamal Crawford aims to bring basketball to Seattle every summer with his crossover. Um, so on the 19th, LeBron was announced to play at the crossover, a program run by, of course, Jamal Crawford. Other players who were already attending were Isaiah Thomas, Paulo Banchero, Chet Holmgren, and DeJounte Murray. And then after LeBron, I saw a tweet that there was more news coming and Jamal retweeted that with just eye emojis. So I wasn't sure what to expect from that. Well, he then announced that Jason Tatum and Aaron Gordon were also going to be playing on Saturday in the crossover. I, I mean, I don't know what more there is to say. I yeah, was excited I, about LeBron and then I heard Jason Tatum and yeah. I just put up the two, uh, two of the photos from the starting fives. I mean, you see all those guys that are mentioned is absolutely ridiculous. And I thought that it was important to include this in this week's episode because, I mean, all of that's related to pro basketball. I mean, you, you know that Seattle's always been a hoop city, always been a hoop city. Um, so to continue to not have an NBA team in this city is ridiculous. I mean, it, it was said several times over the week by just about anybody that obviously the, the fan base is there, the hunger, the passion, yeah. the love is always there. The arena's there. The arena's back. <laughs> Right. Uh, it's just about getting the team here. And obviously, you know, I've talked about it. The NBA locker rooms, the slot for them are already in climate pledge arena. They're already the, they're not obviously built, no. but the, the spot for it's there. It's on the NBA and they've already talked about expansion. So it's just a matter of time, but just, just, it was madness to see this uh, just following it along. Uh, Bell mentioned it. Our director, Curtis, a few of the other uh, converged media family was there. Shaylon was there. I mean, Q from birds Eye visuals yeah, was there. Was. Just kind of, I was just ridiculous to see that all, but th there was a lot going on. So why don't we look at what <laughs> happened the actual day, uh, <laughs> even, even the late, early to... morning of the game. Yes. So fans had already started lining up the night before, but early in the in the morning featured food trucks, pickup games, and nearly a thousand people lined up. So 
I mean, I, I considered it, but I wasn't sure if that secured your spot in anyway. And with the limited seating, I just left it to. Well, and then with the lining up, uh, there was a big controversy because when they were officially opening, a bunch of people uh, that hadn't been lined up, bum rushed and got in as opposed to a people that had been lined up. So that was a whole big thing on Twitter. It was. Do you we know. know if the one guy that showed up with the tent first made it in? I have no idea. <laughs> I was rooting for him. So, um, anywho, once we got into we get into the game itself here, the fire alarm was pulled pregame, causing fans to have to evacuate and return. Um, and then LeBron was swarmed a few times, causing the game to almost be called off, and security had to come and surround LeBron because everyone just rushed onto the court. I mean, it's LeBron James. We haven't seen a star like that here in a while so but of course we expect composure from everyone <laughs> so uh some unfortunate news here chat did he was injured in the game the thunder rookie exits less than two minutes into the game after tweaking his ankle um and then con condensation on the court was an issue so that's what resulted in the cancellation of the game uh paulo benchero slipped lebron seemed to not be fully trusting of the court so jamal of course made the decision to put the players as a priority and their safety and <clears throat> I mean, a quote here from him. Let's talk about it. The humidity was there because someone pulled the fire alarm and powers at B felt more comfortable with the gym doors closed, which we've never done. And they haven't at any of the crossover um, games that I've attended. Anywho, but with that, it made the gym a hot box, which in turn caused condensation from streaming the game. I did notice that though those that were there to clean off the court and make sure it was dry were constantly having to be on the court. So um, definitely an issue. I mean, I haven't been in the gym too much. I don't know what your experience has been with the gym. Uh, I mean, I've been in there a few times. I've been there too recently, but I mean, it can get hot in there. I know that some important that I talked with a uh, few people about was that after this all took place was that Tim Lewicki, one of the guys, uh, brother of Todd Lewicki, big influence in getting CPA built, mm -hmm. uh, offered up to Jamal, Hey, you know, next year we can do this in CPA. But the only thinking behind that for me is that this is a free event. The crossover is normally a free right. event. So how do you get that all set up? You know, that's, that's a whole other thing for them to figure out between now. And then I believe the crossover playoffs actually took place over the weekend. They so, did. you know, we're, I think you're getting to the end of that, but hopefully by the end, uh, by next year, they're able to figure something out because you've obviously got stars that will come here. You know, uh, I was talking with um, with Curtis about it. I mean, how else do you top someone like that with LeBron here? Bring like someone like Steph Curry here, you know, not to put seedlings out there. But, <laughs> you know, it's 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 really exciting to see that. Obviously, the, the passion is great. But, you know, I know. I mean, Jason Tatum dropped 20 from what I read. My goodness, Jason talked Tatum about from it. the three. He, he talked about it. He said, you know, he'd love to be back here, bring his son. And so, you know, the opportunities there, just hopefully you set this up right next time and get it all done. But, you know, it, it was uh, fun to watch, watch along what happened. Yes, I was on Twitter avidly <laughs> leading up to the game. So moving on here, of course, for some more news in regard to the Pro-Am and LeBron's visit to Seattle. He did work out with the Mystic players at SPU prior to... Um, the playoff game versus the storm. So one thing that I was confused about, because I was almost certain that he was going to be there to watch the storm game and support Sue bird. And so were you surprised that they didn't announce that he was there? Um, I mean, 
I know that, you know, after the last regular season home game, you know, when they packed the uh, Seattle packed the uh, CPA for that game, sold it out. He was like, oh, Seattle looks lit. I got to get out there. I mean, he did, but I would have liked for him to be at that. Uh, that's that's Bron. That's <laughs> Leave Bron it at time. That. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, we'll move on to back to our storm here. They currently obviously won the series two to zero. They now are moving on to a five game series. So potentially, potentially, yes. Best of three, right? Best of or best five. of five have to win three. Correct. Um, so they'll move on to the semifinals against the Las Vegas Aces. The first game will be the 28th in Las Vegas. Of course, they have the home court. Um, and that's a 1 p.m. game and will be shown on ESPN. Game two will be August 31st, again, at Las Vegas. A 7 p.m. game shown on ESPN2. September 4th versus Las Vegas here at CPA will be a noon game. And that will be shown on ABC. And then, again, like you said, if necessary, we move to game four and game five. Game four would take place on the sixth. Game five would take place on the eighth. And they would split games. Yeah, so that's important to note. And there's at least one more guaranteed home game here in Seattle. Yeah. But, you know, the last time these two teams faced off in the playoffs was the 2020 uh, Wubble Finals. Seattle wiped the floor with Vegas. Uh, Vegas had some injuries. I don't expect that to go the same way. Would it be nice? Sure. <laughs> right. To have game three be the clincher and then we get out of there. But Vegas, the number one seed, Seattle, the four seed. That's why they're hosting. This is a big deal. I mean, we talked about it. Asia Wilson, Chelsea Gray, Jackie Young, Kelsey Plum. I didn't mean to rhyme there. Dierka Hamby. There's a lot of talent up and down this roster. Um, and arguably, they're the best team in the league. So it's up. Your big three is going to need to step up. You're going to need everybody from your bench. And you're going to need probably superwoman performances from Stewie. Jewel Lloyd's going to need to be consistent throughout. Sue Bird will need to bring it as she has been. Tina's been a great uh, paint presence, but that bench, you're going to need that bench. And hopefully Gabby Williams can come back quicker. We'd need her defensive. Yeah. You're going to need that uh, versatility defensively um, and her potential scoring because, you know, we've seen what she can do offensively when she's clicking. So that'll be a big series. So switch over to the Sounders here who are fighting to be in a playoff sort of position. Uh, I, I said this before, the last game that this was a must win. Um, and I can't necessarily be entirely upset with Seattle's performance against the galaxy on the road. So August 19th on the road against LA was a three to three draw play of the game forward. Raul Rui Diaz an 8.3 match rating one goal, one assist, 85% passing two chances created on six total shots for Raul, uh, the Peruvian, um, for his efforts in that game, earned MLS Team of the Week bench honors, the one goal, one assist. So he was named the MLS Team of the Week bench today. Uh, this was tough because Seattle goes down two goals early and you're like, well, you're dead to rights. It's over. Whatever. Put it away. I look up about 10 minutes later and the game's tied. And I'm like, what the hell just happened? <sighs> um even on one of the Seattle goals, the ball hit the post, I think, twice. And you're thinking, what is going on? You just can't afford to, you just can't buy a goal. Um, Seattle would able be able to take the lead three to two a, in, in the 93rd minute. So there were, I believe, six minutes of stoppage time. In the 93rd minute, Seattle gave up uh, a penalty. Galaxy were able to equalize. And then we end up with uh, splitting points. Um, 
just from what I have seen and what I have garnered, Seattle was put out a great performance and it was just really unlucky, um, which has happened here and there throughout yeah. the season. Uh, you know, you could have performed much better, but just unfortunate because uh, the last few playoff spots in the Western Conference are only decided by a few points. You're one point out of a playoff spot right now. You're sitting in eighth, the seven team, top seven teams in the conference make it. So again, you have to start winning these games. I know that I think the galaxy are the one point ahead of you right now. So winning, (laughs) yeah. So winning against your own competition would have been great, but it's just, uh, this is just, this season has not been good outside of CCL uh, for Seattle. I mean, 13 losses on the year, only three draws. Again, we talked about this. If you make some of those losses draws, we're moving up. We're in a playoff spot right now. So, you know, just unfortunate. The injury report against the Galaxy was the same uh, outside of goalkeeper Andrew Thomas, who's mostly been playing with the Tacoma Defiance, had a had a fracture. So he was listed on the injury list. Um, we already mentioned that Raul Diaz was on the MLS Team of the Week bench. Uh, so congrats to Raul on that. Him, since being back from injury, he's been uh, consistent for Seattle. But it's just you're going to need some help and you're going to need to actually start winning games if you want to squeak into the playoffs you, you can't really get home field anymore. You've kind of squandered that. Um, and if you want to keep that streak going, that's happened. That's been running since you became an MLS club. You're, you're going to need to really continue to have performances like you did against the, the galaxy there. Um, and hopefully some luck comes back on your side. Yeah. It's just unfortunate. Um, but at the end of the day, you did put yourself in this position uh, with all those losses. So, Looking ahead, uh, the next team will not feel sorry for you. You travel down on the 26th to play the Portland Timbers with a 7 o'clock start. Speaking of Portland, I know a few members of the Converge family are down in Portland for Hip Hop Weekend. I believe it's Hip Hop. Hip Hop Fest? Something like that? (laughs) We've expanded. Converge is on top of it. Uh, But so this is a big game, obviously. Seattle sits today, 10 win, 13 loss, three draw record, eighth in the Western Conference, 33 points on the year. Again, one out of a playoff spot. You've got to be able to hell, uh, dig yourself out of a hole. But at this point, is it too far gone for Seattle? It's starting to look like it. But um, there, I'm sure there's a shred of hope. There's a shred of hope for you. Well, so babe. hopefully you can hold on to it and keep it running. Uh, we switch over to our Kraken here. Who We, we got you some official dates. For those Firebirds games. I thought games. we did have mentioned this briefly last week, right? Yeah. And we got you some official numbers as well as some uh, broadcast and organizational news. So, yeah. Belle, why don't we take a look at that? So, just a little bit more information. Um, I believe Chuck touched on it last week. The Coachella Valley Firebirds will be having games in the area here. So, on October 1st, or sorry, October 21st versus Abbotsford. Um, that's going to be at the Kraken Community Iceplex at 3 p.m., but this is a sold-out private event. Um, on Sunday, October 23rd versus, again, Abbotsford uh, at Climate Pledge Arena at 6 p.m. Tickets go on sale to the general public on August 22nd at 10 a.m. via Ticketmaster. So make sure you put that in your calendar if you're interested. Well, that's today. Oh, shoot. That literally happened already. Yeah, so, <laughs> so they're on sale. I'll check on tickets. You. Keep um, going. On October 28th versus Calgary. Um, this is at the Angel of 
Angel of the Winds Arena in Everett, and that's a 7 p.m. Tickets go on sale to the general public again on the 22nd at 10 a.m. So those should also be up on Saturday, October 29th versus Calgary, presented by Alaska Airlines at the Kraken Community Iceplex at 3 p.m. This event is also sold out. Uh, limited tickets will be available through a season ticket member lottery for Kraken and Firebird season ticket members. Do we have an update? Yeah, so the they're only selling the lower bowl uh, for these games, understandable. Interesting. There's a decent amount of tickets. You can get in for two tickets as low as $15. So if you want to see the future of this franchise, yeah, and even $1 tickets, uh, 15 bucks. These aren't bad seats at all. So lower bowl, $15. If you want to watch some, wow, there are some, uh, how much are we going here for uh, fourth row? Fourth row is... 15 bucks. I wow. think 15 bucks. Trying to see if there's anything. What's what do we More click best 15. seats? 25 bucks for section one row V. Oh, that's if you're in the club level, which um, yeah, 15 bucks to get in to watch semi pro hockey. And it's pretty good. Not that's bad. at CPA. Uh, they want to angel the winds arena up in Everett where the storm played the last few years, mm -hmm. as low as $11. Uh, if you want to be on the on the glass, right up on the glass, it's yeah. 40 bucks, but not so not too bad. So if you want to watch some semi-pro hockey, you want to get into hockey, but can't really afford Kraken prices, you've got two opportunities. Uh, the 20 23rd, pardon me, versus Abbotsford at Climate Pledge Arena, the 28th versus Calgary uh, at Angel of the Winds Arena. Uh, those are on sale, as Bell mentioned. I don't know how quick they'll go but pretty good prices to get in and watch your semi-pro team. Basically, if we're using Mariners and baseball term, your AAA team, uh, which will head down back to California in December. Good to know. On, we'll move on to our notes for the 16th here. The team announced they are bringing Allison Lucan on, an, on in a permanent role and have added Nick Olzik to the broadcast team. Did I say that right? <laughs> Lucan will continue working as an analyst across television and radio for Kraken digital channels and for the Seattle Kraken app. Lucan quickly became a, a hit with the fan base and is also part of at too much man. It's a podcast for <laughs> uh, women in hockey who are trying to encourage more women to get into hockey and not feel sort of uh, being alienated by the fan base, which is again, oh, something like that, that Everett and I talked yeah. about trying to encourage uh, more people from different walks of just about everything uh, to get into hockey. Very fitting then. Olsik, the son of Eddie Olsik, who joined the Kraken broadcast crew this summer, will work across both television and radio in addition to taking on a content development role with an emphasis on new media and streaming. And that's about all the news we have for our Kraken for now. Things should ramp up here soon, but we'll move on to our rain. So the rain over the past week, this isn't NWSL regular season news, so it doesn't affect our standings or our record or playoff spot, but they did play in a tournament. In case you're not aware, soccer, whether it's NWSL, MLS, around the world, there's little tournaments spread here and there are different, basically more trophies to win in a way. Mm -hmm. Some mean more than others. Excuse me. Um, but this is the Women's Cup. It's held in Louisville. One of the clubs playing in it was Racing Louisville, which is they've effectively had home field advantage. Uh, the first game that the Rain played there. So the Rain already had a bye. They were automatically in the semifinal. They played Copa America on the 17th of August, winning that game two to one late. Um, 
they didn't have goals until the 79th minute. Ziara King, our first player of the game with one goal, which was the equalizer to tie that game up. And then two minutes later in the 81st, uh, hometown, uh, hometown Husky Olivia Vanderyat with a goal in the 81st minute, which was the game winner. So the rain advanced to the second, to the finals, oh, finals, <laughs> the, the finals of the Women's Cup to take on racing Louisville uh, just a few days later. What's interesting about these matches with the, that the rain were really playing their their bench, their second team, and they were able to get the win. I mean, they had a few of their starters sub in, they had them on the bench, but it was mostly a second team effort. Um, in the second game, the final against Racing Louisville, you can see obviously there uh, that the rain were able to win on the 20th, two to one. Uh, this one, I believe the rain scored first, it was equalized and they were able to get a late winner. Olivia Athens scoring off of a Ziara King corner. So Z getting the assist there. Uh, Z would be named the MVP of the tournament with a goal and the assist. So good for Z there. Um, but, oh, and Jordan Heitema scored the game winner late. So Jordan scores her first game as part of the reign. So hopefully that opens up the floodgates for her to just continue to smash it. Mm-hmm. And we do have a clip here of the end of the match and the celebration of the match with the cup. So I will have that go right here. There's the final whistle. O.L. Reign, your 2022 Women's Cup champions. The two goal scorers right there together. Big time from O.L. Reign in the second half to perform with a line change essentially and the goals come from Athens and Heidema big smiles from some of the players who got some minutes in the first 45 but man oh man what a mentally what a gigantic win for OL Reign they didn't make it easy on themselves so this was a, I mean, they talked about, the broadcast talked about it in there, a mental game because, I mean, you're getting a lot of your bench in, your second players. This factors into my stars of the week, but we'll get to that mm-hmm. when that section comes up. But, I mean, it's really great to get this experience for these younger players like Athens, who scored Z, who has been splitting times with the forwards up top. Haitama scoring her first goal with the rain. It's great to see that, great to get that out of the way and, you know, to come back from some ties and deficits in those two games and to win a cup uh, amidst this, this is a tough schedule because they played from the 17th, they played on the 14th, the 17th, 20th, and they'll play on the 26th. So they're, they're going to be keeping busy over the past few weeks um, to, you know, win something like this, have a nice victory in there, like a reward. Um, <laughs> it's, it's great to have that. So it's, Great to see more hardware, you know, uh, but nice to see those players get mixed in. I know players like Rose Lavelle didn't play, Quinn didn't play, Tobin Heath didn't play, so getting rest. Um, but for those who did, those who, you know, might split time, might get subbed in late, those who have been maidenly riding the bench to be able to come in to contribute to help win something like that. It's great to see. Um, so talking about records and standings, heading back into the w- NWSL regular season, the Reigns today, six win, four loss, six draw record, which is good for fifth in the NWSL at 24 points. They're in a playoff spot, one place. Well, now they're four points out of uh, second through third place. Um, and uh, one point out of six. So you got to 
hopefully continues to stack some points um, over as we continue towards the end of the season here, which ends early October. Uh, but you're still in the playoff spot. So regardless, I mean, it's a good seating, but again, like to improve it. Unlike Seattle, the, the Sounders who are kind of gasping for air, fighting tooth and nail to get what they can. Uh, our Seawolves have relatively been quiet since the MLR championship took place. But on the 18th last week, they had the MLR draft uh, with four total selections over the three three rounds. So, Bell, what do we take away and meet some of our newest Seawolves? Yeah, round one, pick number 12 was fly half Shane Berry, who is 5'11", 175 pounds, and comes to us from UCLA. Round two selections, pick number three, center Samuel Weggert, Weggert who's 6'3", 215 pounds, and comes from Trinity Western University. Number 12, loose forward Neil Moylet. 6'2", 255 pounds, from Lindenwood University. And our round three selection, again, pick 12, Prop James. And I'm going to ask for help on this one. Kwai... Kwai Winu? <laughs> Your guess is as good as mine. I always had a span away. So he's a local kid. Um, he's six foot, two hundred sixty pounds from Iowa Central University. So that about wraps up our draft there. Good to see that. I mean, so some interesting positions. A new fly half. Uh, don't expect Shane to start mm-hmm. anytime soon. With uh, AJ Latimo mm-hmm. kind of occupying that spot. Sam Wiegert, uh, Neil Moylet, and then our uh, prop in James. Uh, it'll be interesting to see when we see some of these guys. I know some of the Seawolves draft picks that we saw last year didn't get much time at all. Um, so we'll see about that. But, you know, hopefully building off of the title appearance last year, granted all the circumstances, the much better season than they've had the last two years, uh, can sort of build off that and we can see another playoff mm. appearance this upcoming season. Yes. But obviously much more to go through that and you'll be without your captain uh relatively early on so uh no dragons news as we go through that we'll open to hear some xfl stuff is the yeah i mean i know their season begins next year but i don't know i'd like to hear about teams coming together yeah we'll see about that we'll head over to stars of the week for seattle because they're not just individual ones we got some groups here (laughs) uh bell went with the storm big three of sue bird uh, Jewel Lloyd and Brianna Stewart. Why did we go with the big three? Um, they understood the assignment for game two against the Washington Mystics. Uh, Natasha Cloud, during her post-game presser after game one, said that they were going to be back, they were going to be better, and they were going to push for that game three in Washington. Um, the Storm understood that. They understood after watching Chicago and New York and how that game went, that there was going to be a sense of urgency to win that game. Um, and they were able to combat that well. And Bird, Lloyd, and Stewart all did what they were supposed to do to pull that win off. Yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, your big three is your big three for a reason. And heading into Vegas, you're really going to need them all to perform. So I, I would agree with you on that. I personally went with the rain keepers from the Women's Cup. I know I mentioned that in the rain segment. Uh, Laurel Ivory and Claudia Dickey. Uh, Laurel Ivory started the game uh, versus Club America. Dickey started against uh, Racing Louisville. Both of them players that had not gotten any minutes as Fallon Joyce has really commanded that mm-hmm. keeper spot all year. But they both stepped up. I mean, I know there were goals in it, but to come in and play good clubs and to help your team come out and win a cup, 
I mean, that's, that's gotta be great for them. So great to see them get minutes. Great for them to help uh, get some wins there for the rain. And, uh, you know, it's always good. It's always nice to sort of spread that around. Um, and see the bench contributors, see players who normally wouldn't get that spotlight come in and make an impact. So uh, overall, I would say it's a solid week. I would say it's a solid. I know last week, and we talked about mixed bag, but you know the Seahawks will round out their preseason here uh, against the Cowboys on Friday, I believe it is, mm-hmm. down in Dallas at Jerry's World. Uh, this upcoming homestand for the Mariners is big. It's your weekend this weekend, so yeah. come out. And hopefully, if you can see that, the Hatback Bar and Grill will be open, and we'll have some stuff uh, cooking up for that here within the next few days, I'm sure. The Storm continued their playoffs uh, after a little bit of a break. That won't come until the end of the well, end of the week here, and uh, start of next week. The Sounders continue to fight for a playoff spot. Another rivalry week here against Portland. Uh, the Kraken, you know, kind of quieter. <laughs> Moving along. <laughs> the Rain will get back to their regular season. The Seawolves make their draft picks and will probably go quiet again. All in all, I would say it's solid. So until we see you at the end of the month, uh, this is Charles Hamaker here with Bell Garcia. Uh, thank your people behind that. We got some people back here. We got Matt. Matt Bermudez is back here, one of our photographers. Uh, Curtis behind the camera. Shaylon back there. Uh, until we see you again, do whatever you can to make today a great day. Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.